On today's edition of Locked on LSU, I'm going to tell you something that you're going to love to hear, but also something that you're not going to want to hear, but both are true. You are Locked on LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, thank you for making Locked on LSU your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. But don't forget that you can also check us out on YouTube as well. Like, comment, subscribe, review on the podcast, whatever your preferred podcast platform is. Always appreciate you for being here and for making Locked on LSU your first listen every single day. My name is Caroline Fenton. You can follow me on Twitter at Caroline Fenton one or you can follow along with the podcast at Locked on LSU. So I, ever since, I guess, college, my time at LSU, whenever I was a leader or, you know, giving a peer review or whatever it might be, whenever I'm giving constructive criticism or feedback, I always like to approach the good, bad, bad, good kind of approach of here's one thing that I liked. Here's two things that I think that you can work on, two things that aren't as good. And then I'll end on a good note. So open it up on a high note. I'll give you some constructive criticism and then we'll ring it on in. On a good note. So that's what I'm going to do today. Uh, And it's not a good, bad, bad, good. It's a good, bad, good approach with LSU football. With what I see from this team right now, the reality, the good, bad, and the ugly, and the beautiful, everything with this LSU football team. So I'll start with the good. I said this on uh, my offensive breakdown of the spring game, and you can find that in your preferred podcast platform. You can also find that on YouTube. I said Jaden Daniels came out there and looked like a quarterback who was entering his second year with a majority of the same pass-catching core with his leading rushers, with his left and right tackle coming back that looked a lot more comfortable in the system. And I stand by that. Brian Kelly even reiterated a very similar sentiment about Jaden Daniels, his confidence that we saw on the spring game on Saturday and how much more confident and sure of himself and just ready to take on this role as a starting quarterback, how much better he looked this spring as opposed to last spring. This was Brian Kelly on Jaden Daniels. Is this going to be a a major improvement from year one, year two with Jaden at quarterback? You know, we, we think he is uh, committed to being the best quarterback in the country. We've seen that in his work ethic. Um, I think he was on the verge of, of moving in that direction throughout last season. Uh, his play kind of dictated that until he got injured. And uh, I think he's picked up where, where he left off last year, um, physically getting bigger and stronger, um, leading our offense, leading our entire team. He's been a leader. So uh, I don't think there's any reason why not to think he would be, you know, the next version of that. And that means um, not only, uh, you know, uh, one of many good quarterbacks in the SEC, but one of the best quarterbacks in the country. So I have two thoughts on that. One about Jaden Daniels and one about the team as a whole. I'll start with Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels should think like that. He should be going into this season saying, I can be the best quarterback in the country. I will be the best quarterback in the country. I think that's how every single player, especially at the quarterback position, should think this time of year is I'm the best. I can be the best. You know, who's going to try and stop me? That's the kind of 
cockiness and confidence. I don't say cockiness in a derogatory way. I say cockiness because I do think that this position at this level, you need a little bit of that. Joe Burrow had that, that, that little bit of cockiness where he was able to walk in more swagger, I guess is the right word, that he could walk into any game and any field against any opponent and say, prove to me that you're better than me because I don't believe it. I think you need that. And I think that that's what Jaden Daniels, every player on this team and every player in the country is and should be thinking at this point in the season. The difference with Jaden Daniels is I fully believe that he has every tool at his disposal to be the best player in the country. And you might be thinking, oh my gosh, what? Like you're crazy. Go back to the 2022 season. Look at the Florida, Ole Miss, and Alabama games. Once Jaden Daniels was in this offense, had a few weeks under his belt, was growing trust with the offensive line, with the pass catching core, was more acclimated into the offense, had more experience, knew what a, a an SEC game experience was like, both at home and on the road, knew the expectations. That takes time. It's not easy to do. Not every single quarterback that's coming into a new system, whether you're a true freshman or a transfer, is going to be able to start game one, week one, you know, looking like a like a seasoned vet and a seasoned pro out there. That's just not realistic. But in those three games, in the midway point of the season, Jaden Daniels was putting up Heisman-esque numbers. This is something that I talked about in the podcast in the middle of the season. I was comparing those three games to the three games, that three-game sample size of Bryce Young, of C.J. Stroud, of Hendon Hooker, all of the Heisman favorites at the time. I know not all of those ended up being Heisman finalists, but those were the Heisman favorites at the time. And Jaden Daniels in that three-game sample size had just as good, if not better, statistics than those other quarterbacks that were regarded as the best quarterbacks in the country and were Heisman hopefuls. So I'm not going to discount what Jaden Daniels can do now that he's picking up where he left off and he doesn't have to go through that that kind of immersion experience and that learning curve at the beginning of the season. Now that he has a year under his belt, now that he's gained some weight, he looks bigger. He's already built that rapport with the offense and there is so much continuity on the offense. I say, why not? Why can't Jaden Daniels be the best player in the country? Why can't Jaden Daniels be the best quarterback in the country? When Jaden Daniels is one of only two quarterbacks returning an offensive coordinator next year. I know yet, by the way, the other one is Vanderbilt. I don't think anyone's too worried about Vanderbilt's quarterback being the best one in the SEC. No disrespect to Vanderbilt now that I'm in earshot of Vanderbilt University where I am in Nashville. But that's my 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 two cents about Jaden Daniels. About the the team as a whole. I think that Jaden Daniels is a microcosm for this entire team. Go back to what Brian Kelly said. He's more confident. He's poised and ready going into this season saying, why can't I be the best player in the country? I think that entire team feels this way. Because it's not just Jaden Daniels that's coming into this season with a year under his belt, with some experience, with some confidence, with some extra swagger after last season. There is so much continuity on this team that they're all feeling that. You don't think those freshmen, Mason Taylor, Will Campbell, Harold Perkins, are coming into year two a little bigger, a little stronger, a little more confident, a little bit more ready for the task at hand? I think they sure as heck are. 
You don't think this wide receiver core, a good bit of them returners and looking to make a name for themselves, Malik Neighbors, Kyron Lacey, Brian Thomas, you don't think they are ready to take that next step and to prove that they can be the best wide receiver core in the country. They don't think you don't think that they want to prove that LSU can be the best offense in the country. I think that this entire team is stepping into this 2023 season, believing that they are the best, believing that they can be the best because they're all stepping into this season a little bit more sure of themselves, a li- with a little bit better of an understanding of, of what's expected of them, knowing how to win those big games because they've been there. They win all of them, but they won a lot of them. So that's kind of how I feel about it. That's That's what I think you do want to hear. I think this quarterback and I think this team coming into year two, same coach, same coordinators, both offensively and defensively, returning a whole lot of production, which is another reason why I think the ESPN FBI loves uh, LSU so much is because they're returning so much production offensively and defensively. They're stepping into this season and saying, why not us? And man, is that a dangerous mindset for the rest of the SEC? I said good, bad, bad, good. That was good. We'll get into bad. Something you may not want to hear coming up next. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want the sugar, you don't want the calories, you have it, you're you're going on a diet and you are just craving something delicious, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever. It's built. You've got to try it. It is delicious. And if you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste. This is the perfect thing for you. Put away the celery and the carrots, the things that don't taste very good, and grab a Built Bar. Because Built Bars are healthy and they taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so good that you won't even think that they're good for you. They don't taste healthy. And I'll tell you what, nothing's worse than something that tastes healthy. Uh, But what makes Built Bars so good? For starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. So delicious. Dark chocolate is my favorite. And they come in unbelievably delicious flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream. Some of my personal favorites right there. And I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And that's what's even better is they're healthy. Only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. So if you're like me and you kind of get that midday slump, then grab a Built Bar and you will get a jolt of protein, a jolt of energy that you need to get yourself through the day. And now you don't need to wait to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart. So if you head to the Walmart, walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. They've got four bar boxes of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs. Or you can also go to Sam's Club if that's more convenient for you. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in, grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, puff, and churro. Or you can always find the great specialty flavors at Built.com. You can thank me later. Well, thanks again for making Locked on LSU your first listen every single day. Locked on's NFL Mock Draft Special is here. Draft day is tomorrow. Finally, it's bigger and better than ever. So follow along all 32 teams' first pick and a six-episode Ultimate Mock Draft experience only Locked on can deliver. All episodes are available now on Locked on NFL Draft or on YouTube wherever you listen to your podcasts. I did a full breakdown of Vijo Jalari kind of up on my soapbox on why I think one of the 31 picks in the first round should belong to be Joe Gilardi. So you can find all of that wherever you find your podcasts or on YouTube. 
So the good, bad, bad, good, or really the good, bad, good of LSU football so far after the spring game, my thoughts on it. The good is I think this team has every tool at its disposal, has the making to be one of the best teams in the country. But there's always a, an if, there's always an asterisk, there's always a but when it comes to to that, when it comes to that idea. There are certain things that, you know, could could play into LSU ultimately getting to the college football playoff, ultimately hoisting a national title trophy at the end of the season. I don't know what's going to happen with Alabama. They look like they're not in a great position right now, but I'm never going to count out Nick Saban. I don't know what the heck is going on with Ole Miss's quarterback room. But I'm not counting out the fact that Spencer Sanders could totally ball fifth-year transfer from Oklahoma State. I don't know what's going to happen with Arkansas. But K.J. Jefferson is a pretty solid quarterback. And he is a veteran that knows that system well. I don't know what's going to happen with Florida. It seems like a big old dumpster fire. But hey, crazier things have happened. So I don't know what's going to happen with all of these other teams on LSU's schedule this year. I can't control that. You can't control that. Nobody can control what those teams do. So I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to lay awake at night worried about what Alabama is going to do at the quarterback position. I'm going to worry about what my team is doing at the quarterback position. I'm going to worry about what LSU is doing every single week once we hit September. But the one thing that I think could get in the middle of this team being what I think it can be, and that's a national title contender, and being not that, it's the one thing that exists every single year for every single team ever. But I think it's specifically a problem for this team. That's injuries and it's depth. You can't control what other teams do. You also can't control injury. If you get beat by Alabama because they were just simply better than you that day on the field, I can live with that. I don't like it. But as long as I could step away from that game thinking, man, that was competitive. Man, Brian Kelly did everything he could do. Man, Jaden Daniels made all the throws he could have made. And it just still wasn't good enough. I don't like it, but I can live with it. If you're losing to Alabama because, knock on wood, Malik Neighbors is out with an injury. It, because Harold Perkins is out with an injury. Knock on all the wood. That's something that's going to disgust me forever. Because you're always going to be thinking, man, what if? What if this player never got hurt? What if Mason Smith never tore his ACL? I don't know. What LSU would have beaten Florida State? Was that the difference? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. You don't know the answer to that question. Nobody will ever be able to answer that question. Sure makes you think. Brian Kelly was asked about kind of the biggest concern about this team. And this is what he said. You know, clearly... The area of concern for us is in depth. Um, you know, we're not at 85 scholarship players yet. Uh, we're below that line. So, you know, two or three key injuries puts us in a very difficult position. Um, we should be able in the SEC West to sustain some key injuries to key players. I don't believe we're at that point yet. If we knock on wood, stay injury-free uh, and continue to develop, we're going to be fine. You are crazy if you think that LSU or any other team in the country is exempt from injury. 
It's a long and grueling and demanding season. Injuries happen. Unfortunately, football's a physical sport. Injuries happen. But not having the depth to sustain those injuries, that's when you go from a team that could go 11 and 1 to a team that went 7 and 5. That's a pretty drastic difference. So my bad of the good bad good is if this team isn't built to sustain injuries to a certain extent, one you better hope that they that the injuries stay at a minimum. I think last year I have to give this team credit. I have to give Brian Kelly credit. This team for the most part avoided the avoidable injuries. You can't control tearing your ACL. Those are weird freak things that happen. There are certain injuries that you just simply cannot control. But those those soft tissue injuries, the hamstrings, the whatever they might be. Those are injuries that can come from possibly lack of conditioning, from whatever it is. I'm not. I'm not a physical therapist. I'm not a doctor. Um, but those are. I view more so as in like nagging injuries that feel a little bit more avoidable than say you know the broken bones and the torn ACLs, the freak accidents that happen when when you're playing a physical sport. So I mean, I can't control it. You can't control it. Nobody can control the injuries. If you could, then man, <laughs> it'd be a much easier game. Um, but it is going to be a concern for me. And it is going to be something that I will focus on from now until the transfer portal closes in just a few days. And even beyond that, as LSU looks to add a little bit more depth via the transfer portal, is can we can this team get to a point where it's where, you know, how we feel how we feel now. You can withstand injuries to a certain extent. Are you able to kind of drag that out, that threshold out just a little bit more by adding a little bit more depth via the transfer portal? I've said it before, and I will say it so many times again. You shouldn't be finding starters in the spring transfer portal period just because typically the quality of player that you're going to find in spring is not going to be as high as you would in January after the conclusion of the season. That is just a generalization. It's not true every sing- for every single player every single year. Of course, things change. But if you can find some depth pieces, which is exactly what Brian Kelly said that they were going to do in the spring in the spring transfer portal period, is just find some depth. That's what you're going to have to do. If right now in April, your concern is depth. Coming up next, it is a Mailbag Wednesday, so I will get into your questions. You can send in your questions on Twitter. You can send them down below on YouTube. If you're watching on our YouTube, you can send in questions any time of the week. Love hearing your questions. Love hearing what you guys want to talk about. We will get into that coming up next. Well, thanks again for making Locked and LSU your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Mailbag Wednesday. Send in those questions every week. I love hearing what you guys want to talk about. Love hearing what you want me to talk about. Any questions that you might have. Some of the hot topics around LSU sports. First and foremost, it is draft season. We've got round one of the NFL draft on Thursday night. Rounds two and three on Friday. And the draft wraps up throughout the conclusion of the weekend. So I know all eyes are going to be on Kansas City on Thursday as the draft kicks off. But one uh, one person asked the question, when do you think B.J. Ojolari will get drafted? I'm going to do a full draft preview on tomorrow's episode, you know, where we're looking at some of the LSU Tigers in the draft, where they could potentially go. So we'll get into more depth on that episode tomorrow. With B.J. Ojolari, he's going to be an early second-round pick. That's not any intel that I have. I have no Ian Rappaport. I have no Adam Schefter. That's simply just my evaluation of the draft board. You know, I've got my big board here. 
somewhere, wherever it is, wherever I put it, it's on the floor, whatever. It doesn't matter. According to like to my big board, to my studying of others, big boards, you know, Mel Kuyper, Dane Brugler, all the NFL draft gurus and kind of looking at the, some needs across the NFL draft. I, I find it to be more than likely that B. Joe Gelari will get taken early on Friday night in the second round. Um, B. Joe Gelari is one of those guys I kind of call fringe talents of some years. They could be viewed as a late first round pick some years, just depending on the needs around the league, depending on the kind of class that it is, you could go up or, or down, de- you know, depending on how every every year shakes out. Not every draft is the same. Look at this year, for example. The NFL right now, it's very quarterback needy. There are a lot of teams that are looking to upgrade at the quarterback position. There are four, maybe five quarterbacks in this year's draft that could get taken in the first round. So then the board falls accordingly. Other position groups might get pushed down a little bit more. Some might get pushed up a, a little bit more. There are going to be quarterbacks that are taken probably higher than anticipated just simply because of the need. Um, so you just have to look at it like that. It, it's difficult to look at the individual player. You kind of have to look at the draft board as a whole. If I'm going to look at the individual player, I say B. Joe Gelari's late first round, high second round. I think that he'll end up higher in the second round. Another person asked the question that I knew was going to come. LSU's midweek games. Says, are you concerned about LSU baseball yet? This is the same person that keeps sending in questions about LSU baseball whenever they might lose games or don't look great in a series. Are you concerned yet? Are you concerned yet? I've said it before. I'll say it again. And, of course, we got a series coming up this weekend um, against Alabama. But, um, you know, LSU falls to Nichols last night. Is it unsettling and annoying and frustrating that LSU baseball lost two back-to-back midweek games? Um, against uh, who did they lose to last week? I don't know. Oh, ULL. ULL last week, and then I don't know why I just brain farted on that. And then Nichols um, on Tuesday night. Look, I've said it before. I'll say it so many times again. I'm never going to get too high or too low on midweek games. I'm a coach. The way that I view it is a midweek game is basically an experiment. You know, if we're dealing with some injuries, with some depth issues, let's let's grab some guys in our bullpen and see how they look out there. Let's shake up the lineup a little bit. Let's move this guy to second. Let's move this guy to right. You know, like things like that, that you can afford to do those things against inferior opponents during the middle of the week. And so that way, it's tried and true once you get to conference opponents over the weekend. Um, I have to give Nichols a whole lot of credit. They looked fantastic last night. They looked really good. Defensively, they were lights out. That may have been Nichols' best game they played all season, maybe ever. They brought their A game to Baton Rouge. So credit to Nichols. And I think that's just a testament to the level of of talent in college baseball this season. To answer the question, no. I am not concerned. Is it annoying? Heck yeah, it is. However, I don't think that teams win a national title because of what they do on Tuesdays. You win a national title by constantly finding ways to beat conference opponents. That's what LSU has done all season long. Finding ways to beat 
conference opponents. But I'll have a more in-depth breakdown of baseball either tonight or tomorrow. I'll get that up for you all as soon as I possibly can. But thank you to everybody who sent in their questions. And thank you for making Lockdown LSU your first listen every single day. Every dayers tomorrow on the show. It is draft day. So I'll have a draft preview plus some of my more baseball thoughts as well. All of that coming up on tomorrow's episode of Locked in LSU.